My name is Dr. Jeffrey Burke. I'm a naturopath and a master herbalist and the host of the Staying Healthy Radio Show. My show airs Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. I bring you the best guests in the industry and the topics that are relevant for today's health. The shows stream live at 8 a.m. And for those of you that cannot listen live, my shows are now podcast daily for on-demand downloads at my webpage, drjeffreyburke.com. The show is sponsored by Stay Healthy Health Food Store, Las Vegas' oldest independent health food retailer, now in their fourth decade in the Las Vegas Valley. They're located at 840 South Rancho Drive in the Smith Shopping Center. Go in and see what a local retailer can do for you. Great selection, the most knowledgeable staff, the highest quality products, and amazing prices. The hours of the store are Monday through Friday 9 to 7, Saturdays 9 to 6, and closed on Sunday. I'm looking forward to talking with all of you soon. Stay healthy. Welcome back to the Staying Healthy Radio Show. I'm so glad you're here, and I want to thank you all for taking the time to tune in, and for those of you that do follow uh, the podcast, um, thank you so much. Um, It's all about information, information, education, knowledge, being informed, knowing the compliments and alternatives that are available to us. And then again, being able to to use that information to make better, wiser, healthier, more decisive decisions so we're not just guessing, because that's annoying. And I think that we just have to remember that we kind of need to make sure that we're focusing on things just a little bit more and taking the time to truly be as healthy as we possibly can be. Every day here on the show, Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 in the morning, we talk about the good stuff. We talk about the alternatives, the compliments. We talk about what's relevant, what's new, what's old, what's changed, what's better, what's more complete, what's more digestible. And then I bring you the most amazing, incredible guest in the industry who bring their take. It's all about us just, you know, being able to shake our head and say, "Ah, I didn't know that. And what a great idea. And oh my goodness, I think that'll be great. You know, so and knowing that what's out there and what's available, I think it's really, really important. I then send you to Stay Healthy Health Food Store, where you continue your amazing healthy journey. Stay Healthy is Las Vegas' oldest independent health food retailer in their fourth decade in the Las Vegas Valley. If you've never been, Stay Healthy is a fully packed, full service store with all the good stuff. The best selection of the highest quality products, the most knowledgeable staff, the best customer service, a place where you can go and have a conversation about you and your health and get answers and feel great and have peace of mind and then choose your products accordingly. Because that way you've got the guidance you need to make those decisions that you need to make about your health. So you're not just guessing. Stay Healthy is one of those places that everybody knows about. And everybody goes there and brings their friends there because of all they have to offer. You're not going to make a mistake on choosing a product because they only carry the best of the best. You'll find them at 840 South Rancho Drive in the Rancho Town & Country Center on the northwest corner of Rancho and Charleston right near Smith's. So if you see Smith's, you'll see Stay Healthy. Visit them Monday through Saturday, 9 to 6. They're closed on Sunday. Remember to call them at 702-877-2494, 877-2494. Guess what you can do? 
schedule mail order services. You can even schedule order preparation services. What does that mean? Well, let's just say it's one of those days, Ugh, one of those weeks, or God forbid, one of those months when everything is piling up, you've got a whole bunch to do, but you're running low on your stuff and you don't want to run out. You call them up, say, can you get this together for me? You can just run in, pick it up and be on your way. They want to make sure that you have what you need. And they want to make sure that you have the availability of being able to keep in health and keep on your healthy journey. So remember, Stay Healthy Health Food Store, 840 South Rancho Drive in the Rancho Town & Country Center, northwest corner, Rancho in Charleston, right next to Smith's. Uh, don't forget about their webpage, stayhealthylasvegas.com. You can print coupons to use on your next visit. Enter your email address and start getting wonderful, wonderful newsletters and information and stay connected to the store. And of course, all of the radio shows, podcasts are there at their webpage, stayhealthylasvegas.com. So today we're going to be talking about fat-soluble vitamins. What are they? Are they different than water-soluble vitamins? I mean, what do they do? Why are they different? Why are they called fat-soluble vitamins? We're going to answer all of those today. We haven't done a kind of an intro uh, inspection of the, of the different kinds of vitamins for a long time. Nobody better to do this with than my friend Neil Levin. Neil is the nutrition education manager and a product formulator for the natural products manufacturer Now Foods. Neil is a board-certified clinical nutritionist who has a diplomat in advanced nutritional laboratory assessment. A professional member of the International and American Association of Clinical Nutritionists and also serves on the Scientific Council of the Clinical Nutrition Certification Board. Neil is a director program chair, and past president of the American Nutrition Association and serves on the Public Relations Committee of the American Herbal Products Association. His comments and articles are everywhere, published in magazines and newspapers. He contributes to scientific journals and has been featured in countless radio interviews and television news reports. Neil's articles are, are on his blog, honestnutrition.com, and at nowfoods.com. He tweets as Neil E. Levin, and you find him on Facebook and Honest Nutrition. Help me welcome my friend, my guest. Hey, Neil, how you doing? I'm doing well. Nice to be with you again. Thank you so much. I know you are a busy guy, and I, I always appreciate you taking an hour out to be here, and everybody loves hearing your information and your take and your your amazing analysis of what's going on in the industry out there. And how are you? How's things holding up in your end? Oh, we're, we're doing fine. Uh, I'm still working from home, uh, starting to do a little bit of traveling, as we've discussed. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, mostly it's quiet, we're, you know, working on a computer at home, looking out the window at the woods, and, uh, you know, trying to manage my staff and handle things, not only at the office, but all over the world from a remote location. I'm sure a lot of your listeners are doing the same thing. Yeah, I think I'm one of the people that I know, a few people I know that are on the road. I'm up in Northern California this week, and and then I'm back home, and um, then I, I don't know where I am next week. <laughs> I'm on the road all the time, so I've got Texas coming up. I think I'm in Texas next week and following week in Florida. So uh, I'm on the road a lot, but you know what? It's it's great. It's wonderful. You know, you kind of take your procedures to stay as healthy as you possibly can, and because... Um, you know, you want to stay on the road, but you know, as I'm getting older, I know that I'm taking a little bit more uh, supplements to keep myself healthy. 
So it's good. Um, I'm glad you're doing well. Um, today is a topic that Marge suggested, and um, I thought we would just jump right in. And, you know, I don't think we've talked about, you know, water-soluble, you know, fat-soluble. Today we're going to do fat-soluble vitamins. Um, where would you like to start? Maybe a little background on fat-soluble vitamins? Sure. There's a, I mean, let's just look at a multivitamin as a source of nutrients like fat-soluble vitamins. So of course, you can get them in foods as well. And the main types are fat-soluble and water-soluble. The water-soluble are your B vitamins and vitamin C and your minerals. Your fat-soluble are your vitamins A, D, E, and K. And there are also other things that are fat-soluble uh, that you would find, say, in a multivitamin or in, or in your diet. Uh, Alpha-lipoic acid would be an example. Quercetin would be an example. Uh, curcumin, to some extent, uh, depending on the form, might be at least partially fat-soluble. So the things that you might add to a multi or find in a diet or a fortified diet would include all these types. So... When, when you're looking at your fat-soluble nutrients, your vitamins A, D, E, and K are the primary ones. Uh, when you're looking at a multivitamin, I've formulated a number of multivitamins for now. The fat-soluble nutrients are responsible for at least half the cost of that multivitamin. There might be only four of the lines out of dozens of lines of nutrients there, but the most expensive typical nutrient in a multivitamin is natural vitamin E, for example. And if you start using some of these other forms like uh, vitamin K2, especially the MK7 form of vitamin K2, you're talking about patented forms that are more expensive than generic forms, they're better absorbed, etc. So uh, about... Typically, over half the cost of a multivitamin is in these four nutrients, a, a minority of the nutrients in the formula. And when we are taking these, we always caution to take with a meal. And taking with a meal actually means different things depending on different nutrients, uh, or taking without a meal in some cases. For example, with a... Uh, an amino acid, we might say to take between meals because we don't want you to mix it with protein, which would compete with and uh, interfere with the action you're trying to get by taking a specific amino acid. Uh, in the case of fat-soluble nutrients, we're telling you to take it with a meal because we want you to take it with fat. And sometimes I wish that the labels were a little more specific, what we mean. You know, because if we say take between meals and we're saying avoid protein, say in the case of amino acids, uh, you could take it with applesauce or you could take it with some fruit or something else so you don't have an empty stomach, literally, but you just don't have protein with it, and that's fine. Uh, so, you know, sometimes I think more explanation is desirable, and I'm trying to push for that on labels in our company, at least. The... Fat-soluble one is because when you eat fat-soluble nutrients, they literally are absorbed through fat. They're carried through the lymph. They're carried to the liver and the fatty tissues. They're transported in the blood with carrier proteins. They're, they're very specific in how they're absorbed and 
distributed in the body in a different way than water-soluble vitamins like the B vitamins or vitamin C, for example. So uh, one of the things that's involved is triggering your pancreatic enzymes, specifically the lipase, which is your fat-absorbing enzyme, and your bile from the gallbladder, assuming you still have one, that uh, these are used kind of... Uh, the lipase is used to form the fat-soluble nutrient into shapes that will fit through the gut barrier so it can be absorbed and to be carried by transporters and the bile is one of those transporters where the bile from the gallbladder, which is actually made in the liver, uh, is sent kind of like a fishing net, net to the gut, to the digestive tract, to help you absorb those nutrients, uh, to carry them back because these, they need carriers. They're not water-soluble. They're fat-soluble. So these, these fatty components... Uh, both what's assembled in the digestive tract and how it's carried through the body, uh, it actually needs transporters and carriers that are uh, fatty-type compounds. Uh, mm -hmm. We even see that in other types of things. For example, vitamin E might be carried by cholesterol as a fatty compound. So some of these things that you might be thinking they're, they're all bad, there's a reason why the body's making them. They're actually transporters of uh, fat-soluble nutrients, uh, for example, the vitamin E carried by cholesterol. You know, um, if you're eating, let's say, like a Mediterranean diet, wouldn't that be a conducive environment for your fat-soluble vitamins because of the good oils that are in that program? Yes. Uh, the, the primary vegetable oil in a Mediterranean diet would be the olive oil, of course. Mm -hmm. And uh, fish is a... a normal component of a Mediterranean diet as well, so fish oil would be part of that too. So uh, I always tell people, uh, I've seen ads for multivitamins that say these are so gentle you could take them on an empty stomach. And I'm thinking, yeah, but why would you waste all more than half the cost of that and flush down the toilet your vitamin A, D, E, and K if you can't absorb it? You know, so being gentle on the stomach is one thing, but being absorbable is an even more important thing. You know, that's why you're taking this formula. So, you know, saying, oh, there's food in here, so you don't, it's gentle, you don't have to take it with a meal. Well, it's low dose then, and you're not absorbing it well. So, well, you know, what, what, what's the point of taking a multi if you're not going to get the maximum bang for the buck, and you're excluding a whole class of essential nutrients from being absorbed? So fat-soluble nutrients are different because they do need fat to be absorbed, and the number I've seen is about a teaspoon of fat. So you don't have to take it with a meal, literally. You could take it with a spoonful of fish oil or flax oil or coconut oil or you know whatever oil, healthy oil you want to take. Uh, MCT oil would be fine to help it absorb. It doesn't have to be a meal. It has to be fat to help it absorb. But if you don't do that, you're going to absorb very little or, or none of that those nutrients, and that's kind of the point of why you're taking these things. You want to absorb them. You want to get your money's worth, and you want to get the effects that you chose that product for. You don't want to exclude the most expensive components and that, that have unique 
uh, abilities in the body to support health. Hmm. You know, um, I think some people get confused sometimes how you can put fat-soluble and water-soluble vitamins together in the same formula. And, you know, that just comes down to creative formulation and, you know, knowing how to combine things properly. True? Well, yeah, because they don't necessarily react together in the product. They're, you're just assembling them. I mean, when you eat a meal, you're getting both fat and water-soluble nutrients. And true, when, true, when, very when, true. When people say, oh, I need to take my calcium separate from my magnesium, in high doses, yes, they'll compete. But in reasonable doses, not so much because they're together in foods. And the same with these other nutrients. You know, if you're eating, uh, say, a carrot, and it's got beta-carotene in there, and it, may, it might have some magnesium and vitamin C and some other water-soluble nutrients with the fat-soluble vitamin A, about the beta-carotene. The, you know, you're going to absorb it if you're eating it with fat, but if you're not eating it with fat, you're not going to absorb the beta-carotene very well. So, you know, if you put some, uh, I don't know if you put peanut butter on, on a carrot, but, you know, if you have something that has a carrot with that, if you're cooking carrots and you put a little uh, sesame oil, toasted sesame oil on there or something for flavor or, you know, have something with it, that you'll help it absorb, but otherwise the vitamin A isn't going to absorb very well. When If you make a smoothie, for example, you might be putting some greens in, in a smoothie that have some carotenoids and other fat-soluble nutrients in there, but maybe you're putting some flax meal in there that has some fat or, or something else that has some fat in there with it, and that might be enough. Uh, I, I always put some flax meal in my smoothies, which... I know the fats are going to help the absorption of what I'm uh, adding to it, uh, you know, the other nutrients. Hmm. Can you answer a question? I know this is kind of on topic but off topic. What's going on with the labeling on fat-soluble vitamins? We've been doing international units for a long time, and now we're seeing measurement. I mean, who, whose idea was this? I think it's <laughs> the same person that wanted us to go metric, you know, a long time ago, but that didn't last. <laughs> Well, yeah, actually metric is slowly creeping into where, you know, people are doing liters of water instead of quarts of water now. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, we haven't seen that at the gas pump or, or on milk bottles or certain things like that. But when you're buying soda, you're buying, you know, half liter, liter bottles and stuff now. So, you know, it is creeping in, the, the metric system. But... Uh, I think what happened was the Institute of Medicine, part of the National Institutes of Health, uh, they set up a panel of who they decide are the experts, uh, really medical people who have some knowledge of nutrition, but they're not necessarily experts in the nutrients that they're uh, reviewing, which is a flaw in the system, in my opinion. Uh, they decided that it's more accurate to sell these by weight rather than international units. And the reason for international units on these fat-soluble nutrients was to equalize different forms. For example, on vitamin E, you can have D-alpha-tocopherol. You can have D-alpha-tocopheryl acetate. You can have D-alpha-tocopheryl sustenate. 
you start having these compounds that, that are used for stability. The sustenate is your common dry form of vitamin E. Your acetate is a common liquidy form. And the tocopherol, which is often called mixed tocopherols, even, yeah, sometimes that's a little misleading, but it, it's a non-esterified. It doesn't have a stabilizer added to it, like acetic acid for the acetate or succinic acid for the succinate, to get technical for a moment. Uh, but because there are the different compounds containing the nutrients, the weight of the compound has to be equalized somehow. So international units was the way to do that in the past. And now they're just they're making you name just the fraction of the compound that has that nutrient and adjust for it that way. Uh, at, by weight, instead of using the international units to equalize them. The problem is that we've used these for so many decades that nobody knows, except a few nutritionists maybe, uh, nobody knows the amount of weight. You know, if you start talking about micrograms of vitamin D, you know, the average consumer is not going to have a clue what we're talking about. So that's what's happening is uh, the FDA has decreed that these new standards set by the Institute of Medicine, which is the body responsible for setting the recommended daily allowances, recommended daily intake, estimated average uh, requirements, and all these things that are the basis of the daily value that the FDA sets on the label as a standard. The FDA has now synchronized with the Institute of Medicine on this new scheme to convert everything to weight and, and to equivalent by weight instead of by activity, which is the, uh, you know, international units was an activity measure. So that's the story. It's, uh, hmm. it's a new labeling requirement. Uh, all the labels are supposed to have that by the end of this year. And when you look at a label, you probably won't see 25,000 IUs or, or 1,000 IU or 400 IUs. You're going to start seeing, uh, in the case of vitamin E, 236 milligrams instead of 400 IUs, something like that. So, yeah, it, it, it is confusing to consumers, and I don't know how to apologize enough, but it's not our fault. It's the government and the uh, agencies authorized by the government to set these standards that are doing this to the label. Well, let me ask you a question. Would it be okay for manufacturers to put both measurements on there to help people that have trouble with the conversion? In some cases, we can do that. In some cases, we are not allowed to do that. So hmm. it, there are regulations governing the labels, even to the size of the font, even to the disclaimer we have to put on there that the FDA has not uh, reviewed these claims or what's on the label, even though wow. we're required to submit our label claims to the FDA. They basically make us put on there that they haven't seen what we've submitted to them. Okay. All right. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm shaking my head. If you could see me, I'm shaking my head. Uh, um, all right. What I can have I a, say? I know, I know. That's why I threatened to pose this to you because I knew you'd have a great answer. Um, this question comes up a lot. How do you know if it's better for you to use a fat-soluble vitamin A or to use beta-carotene or both? 
Well, beta carotene is fat soluble. True. So I, think... I mean, the the problem is some people don't convert beta carotene and split it into its vitamin A component. So. Why? Uh, they have digestive issues, uh, diabetics, and people with fat metabolism issues may have problems converting it. Uh, people with liver issues, uh, for example. Uh, so not everyone can convert the beta carotene, which is pro-vitamin A, or in other words, uh, something that contains vitamin A, but you have to extract it from mm -hmm. the vitamin A, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. the vitamin A from the beta carotene. Uh, not everyone has that capability or an efficient capability to do that. So it, what's called a preformed vitamin A, which is retinol, retinyl palmitate, et cetera. And, and you notice when I'm talking about compounds, the OL, the alcohol form like retinol or tocopherol, get converted to tocopheryl with a YL. And there's always another word following that, like acetate, succinate, something because it is indicating it's now a compound, it's part of a compound and not standing on its own. So, you know, having these different forms, uh, you know, taking retin retinol or retinol palmitate would give you a form that does not need to be converted by some people. And in the past, I have formulated by combining both beta carotene and uh, retinol palmitate, or retinol in some cases, uh, in a formula, and you, you're lo more likely to see retinol in a liquid formula, like a soft gel or a, or a liquid, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. and retinyl palmitate, which is typically a, a dry form. It's, it's in little beadlets or, or, or powders uh, that are coated. Would be more likely in a tablet or a two-piece capsule with powder inside or things like that. Uh, but you know, I, I, I do tend to mix some of these forms a little bit when I formulate because uh, beta carotene is very protective. That's one of the things that protects us, these carotenoids in our skin and our eyes from sun damage, for example. And there's a, a number of claims on labels. Some of them are, are patent protected, but they really are general claims for carotenoids preventing sun damage in the skin, in the eyes. And this is something that is uh, also safer than taking preformed vitamin A because it doesn't accumulate in the liver in the same way. It's non-toxic in higher doses. Uh, vitamin A has some warnings on it. You, you shouldn't take more than 10,000 units a day unless you're correcting a problem or doing it short term, for example, like an immune challenge. Some people might do some extra vitamin A, uh, bringing up their levels if they're low. But beta-carotene does not share that issue because it's a safer form. So, you know, going to higher doses, you know, we, we do have a higher-dose vitamin A, but it's got a warning it's not for everyday use. We have a higher-strength vitamin D, a 50,000 in, in one capsule. It's not for everyday use. It's for uh, short-term use to bring up low levels or to take it once a week. Where that 10,000 divided by 7 is between 7 and 8,000 international units a day on the average if you take it once a week, which is well within the safety margin of about 10,000 uh, IU daily. I'm still using the old IUs because that's what your listeners will be familiar with, and they're still on, on labels, but... Uh, 
you know, we're, we're talking about micrograms here too, you know, a millionth of a gram. And that, that's one of the issues with formulating with these things. Uh, you know, you have a 2,000 milligram material in a, in a multivitamin tablet maybe, and you're using you know, a few thousandth of a milligram of vitamin D in there. Because vitamin D is close to a million units a gram, so you're not using very much. So, you know, if you're using, say, 15 micrograms, you know, 15 millionths of a gram in something that's two grams, you're using a tiny needle in haystack amount. We actually have microscales mounted on marble tables with shock absorbers under them to accurately measure when we're trying to formulate and and measure out the amount to add to a tote that we're mixing something in, you know, where we have to measure very accurately at millionths of a gram level. We actually have a room with a bunch of micro scales set up in a very interesting way. I've never seen that anywhere else. We're, you know, trying to make sure we're handling these minute quantities very accurately. Uh, I'm very impressed when I see those kind of things uh, as a formulator because, I know that it's more likely that uh, you'll have an accurate amount in there if it's blended well. And then we have specialized equipment, uh, high-performance liquid chromatography with mass spectrometers to actually measure the vitamin D more accurately than using HPLC, which gives you a ballpark figure. And we, you know, we really want to be very accurate when we're doing that. Uh, you know, uh, it is required that our products meet label claim uh, through the best by date or expiration date. And, you know, if there's any degradation of some of these things over time, we have to account for that with overages as well and stability studies. You know, this is a very technical and complicated area that we have to deal with to make sure that our products are going to contain what they say on the label and have the full strength through the best by date without having overages that are potentially toxic. And we actually have a toxicologist on staff reviewing these because the fat-soluble nutrients uh, in particular are considered more potentially toxic than water-soluble ones because they tend to be stored in tissues for longer. And it's easier to theoretically hit an overdose. It's, it's pretty rare. But it's easier, uh, in theory, to do that, uh, especially if someone is not accurately measuring. I remember a few years ago there was a, uh, somebody who had a private label vitamin company, uh, basically his own vitamin company, some guy with a radio show, not you, uh, who uh, the company had mismeasured one of the ingredients and caused liver damage to this guy, and he sued his own company. Oh, my. Because they didn't accurately measure what was in there. They they calculated instead of measuring, and they made a math error, and they used like 10 times as much of a nutrient that was uh, toxic at high doses. And, you know, those kind of things are cautionary tales to companies like ours. We have the resources to spend tens of millions of dollars on laboratories and, and hundred. 60, 180 people working in our quality department. You know, we're, we're really devoted to making sure our products are safe and well-labeled and well-tested. 
uh, you know, so we actually have invested in the capability of measuring these things using unusual and expensive instrumentation and specialized technicians and chemists who know how to use these things, you know, which is another factor. You know, you can't just buy the equipment and it runs itself. You have to have people who know what they're doing. Okay. Um, talk about vitamin D. Um, probably getting more attention than a lot of the fat-soluble vitamins today, and everybody's talking about vitamin D. I know Marge just brought in a very, very high-potency uh, vitamin D, 50,000. I mean, I mean, I know that's become very commonplace, but it's vitamin D has changed a lot over the last, um, I'd say, four or five years, and I remember a time when, you know, I go back 40 years ago when we really were told not even to talk about vitamin D because if you took any extra, it was toxic. So it's come a long way. Well, that's true. Uh, I think back, you know, I've, I've been a nutritionist. Now, this is my 30th year being a clinical nutritionist. Uh, November, I'm sorry, December 17th will be my 30th anniversary of getting certified. Uh, and when we started... Vitamin D was considered inherently toxic, and everyone was worried about getting too much vitamin D. Uh, so there was also an issue then, which is something else I talked about on your program before, that, that uh, the measurement of vitamin D, there's two forms, vitamin D2 and vitamin D3. And you can use a test that looks for both metabolites of D2 and D3, 25-OH, D2, 25-OH, D3, uh, which are themselves precursors of active hormones in the body. So they're converted through the liver and the kidneys into these hormones that control things like uh, they help control immunity, they help control bone density. They, they have a, a number of roles in the body. But they're both, these hormones are formed by both precursors, vitamin D2, which is from plant-based plant sterols or phytosterols, and vitamin D3, which is from animal-based sterols, which are, for example, cholesterol. So there are different, uh, two different types, and they're equivalent at reasonable doses. When you start doing these 50,000 units, which is the old medical intervention, that's called a heroic dose. That is not a typical uh, dose that, that's similar to what you would get in the diet or even what you would make in your skin. You know, it's a high dose. But the intention is you do it occasionally, and it averages out. As I mentioned earlier, that 50,000 IU divided by 7 is a little over 7,000 international units daily, which is above the official upper limit in the United States of 4,000 units, but it is below 10,000 units daily, which is the uh, real medical level at which it, it's considered safe for almost everybody. Uh, the upper limit actually has a big margin of safety built in, uh, so setting it at 4,000 units daily instead of 10,000 where it really should be if it was set strictly based on evidence rather than building in an extra margin of safety uh, means that you can take between 4,000 and 10,000 units daily and still be considered safe from a medical standpoint, 
even though it's above the upper limit, which is really a level at which you're looking at caution for that. So when we're looking at vitamin D, uh, uh, for example, the old uh, 400 IUs is 10 micrograms of vitamin D. So if you saw 10 micrograms on a label instead of 400 IU, they're equivalent. You know, 20 micrograms instead of 800 IU, uh, you know, et cetera. Uh, if you took 4,000, the upper limit, that would be uh, 100 micrograms of vitamin D. So, you know, that, that's how we have to convert these things in our minds these days uh, since there's now that rationale. But it is considered safe to take that level daily, and in fact, that's at the low end of what you need to take on an, on an average daily amount to raise serum vitamin D levels. If, you're, if your levels are very low, you might need to take tens of thousands of units daily to raise it within a couple months. Uh, so if, if you're getting plenty of vitamin D, you, you certainly don't want to take those high levels every day. But the 50,000 once a week is considered uh, a safe level in terms of uh, you're, you're well within that 10,000 unit or uh, I haven't converted that into the micrograms, but, uh, you know, you get my point that it's, uh, you know, it's well within the limits of what people take every day and not be considered toxic. So uh, it's a way to either maintain your levels at a high level or to raise low levels more quickly because you're not going to, if you took the RDA or the daily value, you know, you take 400, 800 units a day, you're not going to raise your serum levels. You're going to maintain your serum levels. And if they're very low, it's not going to quickly bring that up to a healthy range. So people tend to use the higher doses for that. Uh, it's also more convenient. Uh, let's say you have an elderly person in an institutionalized setting and it's hard to get them to take supplements. You know, medications might be easier, but supplements might be more difficult to get them to take. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you visit them once a week and give them a vitamin D pill that's strong enough to cover them for the week, that's maybe a more sustainable strategy than hoping they take that pill every day. Well, 100,000 is, is really intended to, I mean, you're talking about 14,000, 15,000 units a day. That's above that safety limit of, mm -hmm. in the medical journals of 10,000 mm -hmm. uh, and well above the upper limit officially set by the Institute of Medicine of 4,000. Uh, but, you know, that's a way to raise the level. That's not a way to maintain the levels at that point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, for me, I'm taking... Uh, 5,000 a day plus what's in my multi. So I'm getting about 6,000 a day. And that's mm -hmm. enough to, to maintain my levels at 60, 70 nanograms per milliliter, which is, you know, a, 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 a good optimal range. I think between 50 and 80 is, is, is the optimal range. Uh, if you get a blood test, in the United States we use nanogram per milliliter, they use a different system. You've got to measure by 1.5 in, in other countries, nanomoles uh, per liter. But uh, if your levels are below 30, that's considered low, and above 30 is considered adequate. But a lot of nutritionists consider above 50 to be more optimal than above 30. 
on a blood test. So if you do get a blood test, and a lot of people do these days, I would advise you to try to get a copy of the results. And, and most doctors these days and most labs are going to share the results with you. But if you see a low number below 30, that's a cause for concern. And if you see a number uh, between 50 and 80, say, that's actually a very strong number, a very good number uh, in terms of doses above the RDA or daily value are responsible for most of the benefits of vitamin D beyond bone and dental health. So we're talking about immunity. We're talking about preventing swaying and falls, loss of balance. We're talking about muscle strength and cardiovascular health, partially dependent on vitamin D. You know, there, there, there's vitamin D receptors in the prostate gland and in, in the uh, ovaries, so there's a role for them in uh, sex hormones and sex hormone development as well. Uh, and a lot of these have not been well understood until recently. Now, you did ask about, uh, you know, why were people so concerned about vitamin D in the past and not so much now? Mm -hmm. And one reason is that a lot of the research on vitamin D's benefits above and beyond bone and dental health, which are really the only benefits recognized by our federal government, unlike governments and even more conservative uh, jurisdictions like the European Food Safety Agency, uh, extremely conservative organization, yet they recognize additional benefits for vitamin D at higher levels than our own FDA does. So, it, it, you know, sometimes it's a little co uh, counterintuitive that uh, a more conservative, restrictive regulatory regime actually accepts more of these. And I think there's a, a certain bias and ignorance. And the bias might be born of ignorance rather than malice uh, in the medical profession in the United States. And doctors are considered experts on everything, but it's really not true that they are. And uh, I'll give you an example. The definition of malpractice is to practice something you're not trained on. Now, when you look at the licensure of physicians, all medical doctors have the same license. They're not all authorized to do the same thing. They're, they're not all transplant specialists. They're not all oncologists. They're, they're not all trained in the same thing. So if you practice in a way that you're not trained for, that is actually one of the definitions of malpractice. And a lot of doctors are not trained in nutrition or not trained adequately in nutrition, even if they have a little bit of training, where they're not really experts. So they're following the flow of what the profession is telling them is the mainstream. They're not necessarily looking at the evidence. Mm -hmm. So in, back in the 90s, 1990s, a lot of doctors were looking at fat-soluble nutrients as being stored in the body, more inherently toxic than water-soluble, and all they could think of was let's warn against taking these uh, get them all from your food. We don't know what's going on if you if you get too much of this. It's, it's scary. And now that we have another 20, 30 years of evidence, we know that it's not so scary. We know that people need higher levels. 
We know that people were not getting enough. They were scaring people away from the sun. They were scaring people away from taking nutrients like, like vitamins. And a lot of people became deficient in these nutrients and had a lot of health issues. And now the pendulum has swung back the other way appropriately, I think, where people are more cognizant that these nutrients are necessary. They're necessary for some people at higher levels. As we've seen with the uh, folate issue, some people might need 10 times as much of a nutrient as others, uh, like folic acid, to get the job done because they're making weaker things out of the folic acid. The folic acid is simply a raw material. So that water-soluble nutrient, that B vitamin, if you have a genetic issue, you need 10 times as much to do the job uh, under certain circumstances. You're making weaker enzymes from this nutrient, and you need to make 10 times as many of the enzymes because genetic variations, some people are just making weaker versions of the enzymes. They're using a different recipe. So there is a, an individual component to nutrition where your biochemistry, your metabolism, plays a role in how much of these nutrients you need and what forms you'll absorb. And so this personalized nutrition has become a, a major thing you see. The American Nutrition Association and other organizations are really pushing this for the last two, three years, that people need to personalize their nutrition. You know, uh, when I take my nutrients, I'm taking things, I start with a multivitamin, but I add things based on my needs. I'm a vegetarian. I'm taking things based on that. I have some heart issues. I'm taking some things based on that. Uh, I travel, so I'm taking some things based on that. I'm personalizing my program based on my situation, my diet, my needs, my lifestyle. Hmm. You know, there's there's so much information out there today. It just gets so confusing. If someone is, has never had their vitamin D checked... Is there a safety place they could just go every day and, and feel comfortable with the dosage they're using? Or, you know, does it really d depend on getting actual blood work done? Because, I, I mean, would 1,000 micrograms a day be a good safety place for people to go to start? Yeah, the Institute of Medicine has said 4,000 units a day is safe for everybody. Uh, basically everybody, virtually everybody. And uh, the medical establishment, in, in if you're looking at the research papers, says 10,000 units is safe for everybody, virtually everybody. So, uh, you know, somewhere in between maybe is the reality. But, it, you know, certainly if you're in the thousands, you're better off than being in the hundreds. And it's hard to overdose if you're taking less than 10,000 international units a day. Hmm. Okay. Now let me get this. Yeah. Go ahead. Go. No. No. Go ahead, Neil. Yeah. I, I, it, it's just a question of you know if you take a multivitamin, you're, you probably are not going to get enough to worry about toxicity or overdose. You know, these things are formulated by folks like me who know what they're doing typically. So, you know, we're giving you safe levels. You're rarely going to get more than 1,000 units uh, in a multi. I've seen some that might have four or 5,000, but that, that's unusual. Hmm. 
This question, I know we only got a minute here, but this question just came in real quick. Can you have time for one more question? Sure. Okay, this question says, how, what serving size should you recommend to children for vitamin D? Well, children have almost the same need of vitamin D as adults. By the time they're one year old, they have the same need as an adult. And they have two-thirds of the need of an adult during the first year of life. Uh, in fact, a lot of, uh, there, there's lots of programs offering liquid vitamin D drops to, to new mothers. We, uh, now actually participates in that kind of program in, uh, with Abbott Lab, where we're providing things in a package to new mothers, and we include a vitamin D liquid that they can put a drop in the mouth every day so that the infant gets enough vitamin D. But, uh, you know, 400 units, uh, 10 micrograms is the RDA for infants. And over one year old to 70 years old, it's 600 IUs, 15 micrograms. From one to 70 is the age range. Okay. Well, I want to, this was great. Um, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate this. This was a good topic I think Marge picked today. And of course, it's always great having you here because you make everything so understandable and not confusing. So I wish you well, my friend. I thank you so much for uh, all you do. And of course, for being a big part of my show. Thank you, my friend. Give me my regards to Marge, please. I sure will. Actually, you just did. So how <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Have a great day, Neil. You too. My guest today, Neil Levin, representing Now Foods. Uh, if you really enjoyed this, which I think it was some good information, you can always go back to the podcast and listen to previous shows that I've done with Neil. We've been doing shows together for, oh my goodness, over 12 years. Uh, long time. And um, he is a very big presence in the natural products industry. So to get him here is a, a really good thing for us. Uh, and to have him as a guest is awesome. So I thank you, and I thank Now Foods for uh, uh, being a part of the show, and of course, thanks to Neil. Remember, all of the Now Foods products are available at Stay Healthy Health Food Store. You will see them in just about every area and department and topic within the store. Uh, they're represented there through vitamins and antioxidants, amino acids, enzymes, uh, essential oils. I mean, so many different things uh, in the store because they have a wide array of quality products, and they're visible in every department. Stay Healthy Health Food Store. They're making it easy. Easy for you to get healthy, be healthy, and stay healthy. And they're making sure that you have the tools that you need to get the job done. Stay Healthy now in their fourth decade in the Las Vegas Valley. Las Vegas' oldest independent health food retailer. They make it really easy for us to really you know, be on our healthy journey because, you know, you don't want to be guessing and cutting corners when it comes to your health and well-being. You want to choose accordingly. You want to choose correctly. You want to be able to have a conversation and a dialogue and get your questions answered. That's all part of the full service part of Stay Healthy Health Food Store. And it's rare today. You know, most every place we go today is self-service. I was at a store the other day and all the cashiers are gone. They put in all self-serve machines. Um, and now they just stand there and point you to machines. I don't like it. I don't like self-service. I mean, I figure that, you know, it's taking jobs away from people, and plus, I don't want to do it. I mean, I like putting it on a, on a little belt and getting it done and get paying and then leaving. 
You know, I find it annoying. And I think it takes away from the full service part of the store. But this is what's happening, but not at Stay Healthy. Stay Healthy is keeping it open for conversation and dialogue and, you know, getting people's questions answered and doing all the things that they need to do to make sure that you're getting a full understanding of everything you need to function in today's world, you know, and to stay as healthy as you possibly can and have the information you need to make those great choices. Stay healthy. You'll find them at 840 South Rancho Drive in the Rancho Town and Country Center on the northwest corner of Rancho and Charleston, right next to Smith's. If you see Smith's, you'll see Stay Healthy. They've got some great services set up for you if you call them at 702-877-2494, 877-2494. They will work with you with things like mail order. Uh, they'll even get your order prepared for you so that you can just, you know, come by, get it, swoop in, pick it up, and be on your way. Uh, they also, at their webpage, stayhealthylasvegas.com, if you enter your email address, you'll continually get good information every month and newsletters and stay connected to the store. Remember, it's all about information and education, so real important to stay on top and to get that up-to-date information. And they want to make sure that you have everything you need to make great choices. Um, once again, when you're at the webpage, listen to any of the radio show broadcast and even print a coupon to use on your next visit to the store. Stay Healthy Health Food Store. Check out the full line of Now Foods products. Uh, now Foods uh, topic of the day was fat-soluble vitamins. They have those available. And bring your questions with you and walk out informed with great peace of mind. Have a great healthy day, everyone. Take care, stay healthy, and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to the Staying Healthy Radio Show. Remember to tune in Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 a.m. for the most up-to-date, relevant information on your health with the best guest in the industry, helping all of us to get healthy, be healthy, and stay healthy. For your convenience, podcasts of the show are now available at my website, drjeffreyburke.com. Simply click on the archive icon to make available on-demand podcast downloads. Make sure to visit Stay Healthy Health Food Store for all your nutrition needs. Stay Healthy provides reliable, responsible, relevant service every single day. I look forward to talking with all of you soon.